0: It is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. That the wrath of God must be poured out upon sin. That God's righteousness has to be satisfied. But the gospel, scandal, is that it wasn't you. It was the spotless, sinless Lamb of God who died in your place. That's the gospel. When Jesus the Lamb of God, dies. Sins are taken away, and wrath is removed. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Scandal! That it wasn't you. It was the spotless, sinless Lamb of God who died in your place. That's the gospel.
1: go to that cross blindly. He doesn't get on the cross and say, no, Father, I don't want to do this. I didn't know it would cost so much. He knew from eternity how much it would cost him, and yet he still did it.
0: If his love is like that, if he has set me free completely, I'm his. Such as my love to and pity
1: for them that rather than they shall perish eternally, I will be responsible for them as their guarantee.
0: Bring in
1: all thy bills, Father, that I may see what they owe thee. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Believing Theologist Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and sound doctrine in Lansing, in michigan and to the farthest reaches of the UP. Hey everybody, I know it's been a while, been busy, working really hard, trying to work hard anyway. Now I've got to pay the bills, wearing face diapers, that kind of thing. So I hope, uh, well, for those of you who have been listening, sorry it's been a while. For those who may be new listeners, Welcome. Um, I got some uh I'll say very I'll say sobering things I want to talk about today. Not exactly sure if I could I'm not sure if there's any way I could actually soften it. I'm gonna do the best I can to be thorough. I'm gonna do the best I can to be fair, I'm gonna do the best I can to be theologically correct in uh in this. Um there's been a lot of churches around the country and several in the Lansing area and in greater Michigan that have decided not to open their doors for in-person worship services until 2021 or until the governor puts us into uh, the stage five or the old clear of the uh, stay safe plan. And I take issue with this, not because not because they're trying to be cautious regarding the uh, current. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to necessarily say pestilence or anything like that, but the current sickness situation. Not, I'm not downplaying that at all. For those of you who are like, "Man, he's just, he's just saying it's all craziness," no, I'm not trying to downplay the seriousness of the sickness and the fact that people have gotten sick and have unfortunately passed away as a result or as a um, complication regarding their death. That's not good. That's not okay. And I'm not here to paint a picture of some big, nasty conspiracy theory. That's another show. Well, probably not my show, but maybe another one. So um, there's a uh, couple things I want to go over. Um, uh, I'm gonna try to keep this around 45 minutes ish or so. Wish me luck. Um, I will be I will be naming some specific names in this. Um, so those of you who are listening, who may hear names that are familiar to you, please bear in mind. I mean the I, I mean the utmost respect. I have no intention of smearing anybody. I have no intention of dragging anybody through the mud. I'm just simply pointing out my observations based on what I see in script what we see in scripture. Now, unfortunately, some folks will disagree. That's okay. Some folks will agree. That's okay. Some folks might fall somewhere in the center. That's okay too. So before I begin, if you have any questions, please. Feel free to contact me. Uh, You can message me at my Facebook page, Believing Theologist. You can message me there. You can contact me on Twitter at Believing Theolo. Or leave a comment here in the YouTube page. And while you're here, don't forget to hit subscribe and like the video. And share it with your friends. Alright, now I'm going to, uh, first thing I want to go over is an article put out by PNP News, formerly known as Pulpit and Pen, uh, about the SBC president, J.D. Greer. Now, I'll say at the outset, I do agree with, the, with what this article is saying and its conclusions. Some of you may not be, but I think it's something worth looking at, so... So you can see what I'm looking at. Here we go. That there is J.D. Greer. He is the Southern Baptist Convention president. The headline of this thing, SBC's president's COVID-19 response is to dismantle and destroy his church. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? What, why? pastor would never do that. You're right. He wouldn't necessarily do that on purpose. I think this is worth looking into. J.D. Greer, lead pastor of the Summit Church and president of the SBC, announced to his congregation during a live stream that they were taking a page from Andy Stanley and would no longer be gathering as a corporate body until at least 2021. Using the analogy of hotel guests not unpacking their bags when they stay at a hotel for just a few days, Greer thinks that those hopeful for hopeful the church might still gather as they were meant to need a dose of reality and must settle in and start putting their proverbial clothes in the dresser and hang the dresses on coat hangers. Quote, We need to begin to strategize like this is the new normal. We've got to unpack our bags. That's some of what you are waiting in the wings. That, that's there's some of you waiting in the wings, okay? What I want to tell you is that if your walk with God is important to you, if your relationship to the church is important to you, then you've got to rethink how you're doing things. This has got to be, become for us the new normal. You want to pause there. There's been several several prominent churches in our own area who have used similar language. This language of the new normal. Now, are there health precautions that local congregations can take? Absolutely. Now, first and foremost, if you're sick, don't go to church. Don't, Don't go to church out of love for the body. If you're feeling symptoms of any kind... Stay home. And then come back when you are well. Um, but when you start settling into something, when you start to call something the new normal, that's setting up a whole that's setting up a new expectation that's not necessarily grounded in scripture, but in pragmatism. Greer says that given the schools, given the schools where some of the satellite campuses meet, are doing the virtual thing and going online. The church in those locations cannot meet anymore, not seeming to consider that it should take more than that to shut down a congregation. They could easily gather somewhere else or outside if they really wanted to. It's summertime for crying out loud. Coupling the above with the fact that the gatherings are typically fifty to thousand people, and given their status and megachurch size, they don't believe they can keep everyone safe by having an indoor church service. Consequently, an act of ecclesiastical an act of e- ecclesiastical excuse me, ecclesiological madness, Greer announced, quote, we need to become, at least until the end of the year, basically a movement of house churches. Instead of the summit church being 12,000 people meeting in 12 different locations on the weekend, now we're going to be about 15,000 people meeting in about 2,400 locations. Very recently, a very large church in Holt, this last week made a similar statement in their opening announcements uh, during their live stream their quote unquote live stream service this last week. Instead of being 2,000 people meeting in twelve different locations, we're now about fifteen thousand people meeting in twenty four hundred locations. Think about that for a second. Continuing. Elaborating more on what this means, Summit will take cues from the government and from a private nonprofit organization classified as a 501c3 public charity, the CDC, on how large the churches must be in order to gather. Quote, we're going to equip equip you to get together in essentially house churches, small groups of people that are gathering in houses, according to what the authorities what the government, what the CDC is deeming to be safe in terms of regulation group size. We are still going to provide for you every weekend, uh, excellent weekend programming. But we're going to adjust it so it's easier for you to use in a house church setting, especially if you have kids and let it feel more like an interactive church service. Wait a minute, hold on. We're going, we are still going to provide for you every weekend, Excellent weekend programming. That's interesting. Well, here's my interpretation of that. We can't meet together, but we'll still put on one heck of a show for you. We want you to begin to think of the weekend service not just something you watch every week and participate virtually, rather as a resource that we're going to give you that you can use to worship, to pray, and connect with family members and friends. And then continue on with the uh, article's commentary. That's the plan. To scatter the sheep and justify it by calling it house churches. Even though there's no pastor or qualified elder to lead, or church discipline, or likely communion, it doesn't take much to see that this is extremely high on the bad idea scale. Speaking to that, if some of the congregations are 500 members, how is it that they don't have a pastor and a plurality of elders who would be able to lead smaller congregations of 50 or 100. Are they really admitting that a flock of 500 does not have five or ten people trained up who are able to teach, lead, and shepherd? Rather, Summit is breaking themselves into 2,400 congregations, averaging about six and a half people per church. Actually, we don't know how the 12,000 number grew to 15, uh, assuming assuming he misspoke and and it is the former. It's more like the congregation of five. We don't know if this plan is better or worse than Andy Stanley's decision in terms of pure, wretched ecclesiology, but we figure it has to be a contender. Greer offers a final justification on the closing up shop. Quote, We can't guarantee your safety or your families right now if we came together physically on the weekends, and ultimately that's what drives us. Admissionally, we've got to strategize this with this being the new normal. We think this is the most loving thing we can do. And we think missionally, this is the most profitable thing for the movement of the disciple-making in the body of Christ. Even when you can't come to church, we can still be the church. Now, now with that set up, to be honest, I'm in full agreement uh, with what's stated in that article. J.D. Greer responding in the idea of pragmatism from a pragmatic perspective, has decided to, more or less, close down Summit Church and tell everybody, well, I'll give you a video. What about those people who need true pastoral care? What about them? Do they not get a chance to get that care they need as prescribed in the scriptures? Just ask him for a friend. So, again, I agree with everything in that. Now, they uh, the article mentioned Andy Stanley. Now, I want to play a portion of his video announcement. And I think this will be a little bit eye-opening for you. So here we go.
2: Consequently, we cannot guarantee your safety, and that's a big part of this decision. And here's the thing, even if we did reopen, we certainly would not be able to create a quality adult or children's worship experience with social distancing protocols in place. Now, uh, one of the things that I love about our churches is that we attract all kinds of people (laughs) with all kinds of opinions and persuasion. So for some of you, this makes perfect sense, and in fact, you may even be relieved. For others of you, this seems like an unnecessary precaution, um, perhaps a lack of faith on my part. Um, You might even interpret this decision through a political filter and honestly, I get all of that. So here's a bit more information that might help you understand our decision. And again, this is based on the experience of other similar sized churches around the country that opened two or even three weeks ago. If we open and a volunteer, a child or a student or an adult who attends any of our environments tests positive after the fact, we're responsible for doing all the contact tracing. And that would be, I mean, that'd be the right thing to do. That's the responsible thing to do. But that would be pretty much an impossible thing to do. If you've been part of any of our churches for any length of time, you can imagine how difficult, again, next to impossible that would be. And honestly, that's just one of several unforeseen factors that other churches are running into. So the truth is, I actually have a lot of faith.
1: <laughs> I'm going to stop it there. Um, I'm not going to comment necessarily on his statement regarding having a lot of faith. But at the beginning of the clip, his primary this was this particular clip was posted July fourteenth, by the way, and that pulpit and pen article was posted July thirty one of twenty twenty. Now, what he started now he said in this time because they cannot offer quality worship experience with social distancing in place because they can't. I, the way I the way I hear it, why why I'm hearing it, because we can't offer you offer you the same show you get every week. What we're doing is just not meeting. Interesting. Because we can't give you this big show that we've been giving you, we're not going to meet. Because we can't do it with. Uh with the social distancing protocols in place. Now, I, wa- I want to make something clear. Uh, in the case of Andy Stanley and J.D. Greer, to the best of my knowledge, they more or less made, them and their teams made these decisions on their own without necessarily any external pressure from the government. That's At least that's my understanding. Contrasted with what's going on in California, and I'll, Uh, Use John MacArthur as an example. Google John MacArthur, church services, COVID, that kind of thing, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Where the government, the local government in California has more or less decreed and commanded that churches are not allowed to meet to worship, period. I'll say this, we we must follow God rather than man. But what about Romans thirteen? Well, let me tell you about Romans thirteen. Romans thirteen, so Morris tells us what the government's role is: to be a terror to the evil doer, doer and a rewarder of the good. Plain and simple. Now, what does that mean? According to what standard do they should these things apply? According to the law of God. Now, I am not a theonomist. So if that's what you're thinking, please get that out of your head. That's not me. But this should be, but more or less the general principle of law of how law is promoted and enforced should reflect what is commanded in the scriptures. Now, there's some things that are exact that we that can't do, and we have to adjust for different uh, cultural issues. But in general principle, that should be the case. Now, Romans 13 also says be subject to those authorities. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, excuse me. We should do that. We should. But when that government tells the church they are not allowed to to meet and worship, that becomes a problem because God has commanded that of us. Now, Andy Stanley, um, he recently was part of it, done another interview, where he stated, well, Jesus never actually commanded us to meet together. That's interesting because in Hebrews, we are, chapter 10, we are commanded not to forsake the gathering of together the gathering together as is the habit of some every time the church gathered in the book of Acts every time they gathered in breaking of bread with the Lord's Supper um, and for worship singing psalms hymns and spiritual songs and for the hearing of the word that that's what they did. God has commanded this. God has given us this example of this in the Scriptures.
2: I have Oops. so much faith.
1: I did not mean to do that, but no, I apologize. Now, just with all this in mind, just continue to think about this. Because what I'm hearing, now from the quotes from the um, J.D. Greer thing, I did hear two bits and pieces of that, bits of that live stream. And I watched this Andy Stanley video several times. And I'm hearing a lot of pragmatism. A big concern about loving our neighbor. Big concern about loving our neighbor. But at the expense of the first greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay. Now that being said, like I said, I was gonna be naming some names. Now, for those of you who know me, I'm not bitter against those that i'm that I'm gonna be speaking about. I'm not angry with them. I am simply very, very concerned and what this is doing. That being said, Riverview Church in Holt, Michigan, has closed its doors for the remainder of 2020. This church has not met as a corporate body since March 8, 2020. It is now August going into September. That's almost five, six months that there's been not any corporate fellowship, communion, baptisms, church discipline, etc. Unfortunately, like we di- like I already discussed, this is not the only church in the U.S. that has made this call. J.D. Greer, Pastor of Summit Church, President of SBC, has announced that he is that they are closing their doors for the remainder of the year. Andy Stanley is a pastor of a maker of a church in Georgia, and Georgia also has made the same decision. I believe this is a tragic time in the Christian church in the USA and worldwide. I've heard, I've heard others kind of allude to this, but it's kind of revealing who the true church is. Who are the true believers? Now, just because you go to church, does that automatically make you a believer and saved? No, it does not. We are saved by grace through faith alone and Christ alone. But the fruit, externally, is shown in our obedience to Christ. Now, here, here's the thing, though: these churches don't have much in common. But there's one thing a lot of these a lot of large churches do have in common. They have massive small, small small, groups, cell groups, life groups, ministries, whatever you want to call them. While these small group ministries have their benefits in larger small churches, there can, there can be many drawbacks. The most glaring drawback, in my estimation, is apparent lack of pastoral care. While these groups meet for study, prayer, and fellowship throughout the week, there are very few, if any, elder qualified men to lead or oversee these groups. Uh, read First Timothy, um, well, the, the whole thing. In particularly, chapters, th- I believe it's chapter three in Titus chapter one. I may be off on that regarding the qualifications of an elder. Now, a lot of these small groups, now a lot of the excuse the thing is, well, they're under the pastors or the, those leaders are under the pastors. Of the church. Okay, but are these small group leaders able to act, behave, and work pastorally with the people in their group? I would garner not so much. Again, my personal opinion. Uh, There are others who would most probably agree with me. Just throwing that out there. Churches we have discussed so far are very large congregations. While the congregations meet in multiple venues across various areas, while there is a pastor, pastor, oh, there there we go, pastor. For those of you who are listening, I had to figure out where in the camera to put the air quotes. <laughs> have a pastor, while there is a pastor at each venue, these men are left to oversee churches that require more than one pastor elder to better equip the people and shepherd them. So any of these, uh, at least where, where, uh, concerning Riverview anyway, and other similar churches like it, each venue has upwards of 500 to 1,000 people, if not more, over multiple services. But because there's so much dependence on the small group in the cell group, my opinion, a lot of the, a lot of the pastors um, is just a venue director and a seeker friendly church model and that's really ultimately what it boils down to now the Review is not the only church who I believe has this issue and if anybody any of you from Riverview are listening, please again, I do not hate anybody. I do not hate these men. I've had major disagreements with the elder team at Riverview. I do not hate them. I wish I wish them well. Wish them no ill. It's my hope and prayer that God, that God would work in their hearts through His Word to grow His church as He is to grow Christ's church as Christ has commanded, and that they would faithfully preach Scriptures. Now, through all this, now enter the biggest issue in these COVID times. Since the churches are not meeting in person, they have now gone from one church and four venues to one big online venue. or hundreds of venues scattered across the area, as you heard uh, in the J.D. Greer article, and more else what's going to be happening concerning Andy Stanley's church. I found many churches in the area that are following a similar pattern. And yes, Riverview is not the only church in the area that has Following this pattern, there's another uh, church uh, gentleman that I've known. I remember talking with him the night God saved him. I saw early on what the Holy Spirit did in this man's heart, and praise God, praise God. But this particular gentleman, he has uh, he had started the church in the area. And their whole tagline has to do with what what they refer to as love the city, which is a great thing. But they're also participating you no, know, but they don't have a permanent location, which is unfortunate. So you gotta be more creative and when you do meet, but they're choosing not to meet. They're meeting they're meeting in their meeting in their respective homes quote-unquote home churches or home families keeping the gatherings down to five to ten people according to state mandate and to play now more or less the sermon and the music that was pre-recorded again there's more several churches in the area are doing this And the idea is to wait until the governor gives the all clear for the stage five of the Stay Safe plan. Okay, now before I continue, I want to show. I I believe some striking similarities. And the pragmatism that I'm seeing. In the greater. As well as in the local.
0: Single week uh, we asked the question is it time and this week we decided that the answer to that question is not this year and and yes you heard that correctly we've made the decision that we are going to postpone live services in-person services for the remainder of 2020 Now, I know that across Greater Lansing area, just in the last few seconds, two great noises have erupted from your homes. Uh, The first great noise was a giant sigh of relief. Uh, because many of you have have begged us to make this exact decision because you're concerned about where we are as a nation and a community with this pandemic. And for you, you think that this is a prudent and wise and and yet still at the same time a very sad decision. Uh, The second great noise was the heartfelt wailing of people who think that this is a bad or a wrong or maybe even an unbiblical decision. You may think that we made it motivated by fear or even worse, politics, or that we lack faith, and you're desperate to be physically with your church family again, and we've heard from you as well, and we get why you feel that way. And so what I want to do is just take a a few minutes to...
1: Again, I do not hate this man. I am not angry with this man. I'm not bitter toward this man. If you read that, please, don't. But as of august second, they decided to close things down, not this year. Now when he mentioned those objectors to now the two kinds of people response, one says, Yay, whew, sigh of relief. But the other but the other group, this is where I have it I have more issue. Because no, he's concerned. Well, maybe you. Th- no, we didn't. No, and it's clear if he they didn't make the decision based on fear, politics, or because they don't have enough faith, which I think is a misunderstanding of the concept of faith biblically. Good, good. He shouldn't make. They should not make decisions on that on that base, but on the word of God alone. On the word of god alone i don't believe um the team at riverview has done that again my opinion
0: let me show you another clip first of all uh, we are going to continue to stream our services online and we are going to pour a lot of energy into leveraging this new medium in new and creative ways Secondly, with this decision made, we can now turn our attention to the myriad of opportunities that we have to connect, equip, and care for people beyond our weekend services, even beyond our life group. Classes and care ministries and training leaders and mission opportunities. And so what we did is this week we redeployed our staff, we redeployed our pastors to look at new ways to reach people for Christ during this season. Because this is the world we live in,
1: that's an, I think an interesting choice of words. Redeployed their pastoral team. Why were they ever withdrawn in the first place? Now, I get it with the with the sickness and thing. they have to look after their own families. They have to make sure their families are safe. Um, if they're depending on the church financially, they had to get other work in the meantime. Okay, I get that. I, that no issues there. No issues there whatsoever. Why do you need to redeploy the pastors to find new ways to reach people under, what I'll say, this, the quote-unquote new normal? Something to, something to consider. Now, I got uh, just one more clip.
0: One out of you, we want you to attend church in community, But how can you do that when we don't have live services? Well, here's how. We want you to gather whatever community you are comfortable with in a socially distanced way, consistent with Michigan's Safe Start Plan and CDC guidelines, and we want you to consider going to church together. Maybe your Riv community for this season is your immediate family or your roommates, like many of us have had during the season. That's okay. Or maybe, if your life group is comfortable with it, you can gather in that community to stream church together in your home or in a yard or in the park, of course, Uh, with the governor's new announcement this week uh, um, that we need to limit uh, uh, indoor gatherings to less than 10 people. We want to encourage you to follow those rules, and as restrictions loosen, you can invite more people. In fact, you could even call the people that you used to sit in church with and figure out a way to attend church together. Some people are doing that in person, and some people are using Facebook watch parties or Zoom parties to attend church together. And honestly, I'll let you in on a little secret. You can jump onto the service.
1: And there he goes on to explain how they have a 24, more or less a 24 7 kind of loop going on with their services each week. Now, Meet to, meeting together in community. Yes, we absolutely should do that because the church is the gathering of the called out ones. The gathering of the believers together. Unless we gather, we are not the church. Now, the church, uh, Christ's church, is, has uh, several different, uh, several local expressions of the uh, of, of his church. But unless we gather, we are not the church. the The church, the ecclesia. The called out ones, the gathering. Now, what he, what he? Now, I think is interesting. It goes back to my, I believe, it goes back to my other point about pastoral care. Excuse me, I need a drink of water. I took the kids to the park today, so a little dry. With uh, what he was saying. What is it, that would really justify justifies this whole thing? Now, I can't really speak to that. I just want to put a, I'll say a stone in your shoe, so to speak, just get you thinking about this. He's ta- he's talking about gathering in community. Now, how do we do that? Oh, gather in your small groups. Gather in your homes. Invite people over. But don't have too many people over because the government said we can't. Now, that being said, should we practice unsafe measures? No. Absolutely not. Should we be considerate of others in our groups and and in the local body? Yes, absolutely. But when it comes to the church gathering, those groups that gather together, they're watching, quote-unquote, pastor on a screen. Now Riverview has several resources at anybody's disposal. Now via email, um, other video helps, Bible, Bible studies and things available on their website. I'll give a blog Riftchurch.com, I believe is the website, of information and wealth of information they have for their people, which is good. And I'm glad they have those things. But in these small group settings, who is their pastor? Who is their shepherd? The man on the screen? As a pastor, you no, know, typically, biblically, it's not, only, not only is he required to teach, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, but a pastor also get rolls up his sleeves, gets his hands dirty, and serves his people. Now, does that mean he's mowing everybody's lawn and painting everybody's garage? No, that's not what that means. A looking after them, taking care of them, shepherding them. Continue pointing them to to Christ. Help them grow in their sanctification, their understanding of the scriptures. That's really it. Can a man on a that they only see on a screen do that? No. Now I want to continue down on my notes after that little uh, thing, because one thing he said. No, we want to say it to this. So, the stage five of the stay safe plan. Now, I've looked into a few other churches around the area. I mentioned one other one already. Of the churches I looked into, I found that while they're not meeting to worship Almighty God, they're still engaging in community work and social activism. Now, while these things can be important and not necessarily bad within of themselves, to continue to do these things without first gathering as a church to worship Almighty God, in my opinion, makes some empty gestures. Several churches in the area, for example, participate in an event called Pray on MLK. It was a national event that has to do with the whole race relation issues going on around the country. Most of those church I, I was just curious, a lot of the churches involved, or the primary organization, or, Organizing churches, um, we're not meeting as as the ga- gather believers to worship at the at the time of the event. They were not holding in person worship with the local body. You know, one one of these churches actually had canceled all corporate meetings for the foreseeable future has announced a five-year anniversary meeting, the week of Labor Day, this week-long event will consist of community service projects and celebrating five years of loving the city. Praise God. A church plant that survived five years, praise God. I pray it goes longer. But engaging in community service and or evangelism, but you are not meeting together as the body to worship and for fellowship and to grow together? I think some of the priorities are a little uh, sideways. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Great Commission commands all of Christ's church to go out into the nations, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them all that Christ has commanded. Not downplaying that. That's not what I'm saying. But doing this community ser- uh, community service projects, which is helpful, helps a lot of people. It does show the love of God in a practical way. But they're not meeting to worship together as a local body. So I agree with the particle from PMP News concerning J.D. Greer. Regarding these other places, quote that's the plan, to scatter the sheep and justify by calling it house churches, even though there is no or gathering in community, even though there is no one, pa- no pastor or qualified elder to lead, or church discipline, or likely communion. It doesn't take much to see that this is extremely high on the bad idea scale. So far, there's a common theme to all this. We're not meeting so we can love our neighbor and be a good witness in these times. I believe this is getting the commandments wrong. The greatest commandment comes first love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It is through this command that we understand the second love your neighbor as yourself. We see this reflected in the Decalogue, that is Exodus chapter 20, the story of the rich young looter. Excuse me, rich, young, ruler, not looter. Excuse me, that was bad. In Matthew 19, 16 through 26. Now when Christ answered about what commandments he had to keep in order to obtain an eternal life, Christ was indeed testing the man's heart. Because the man answered he had kept all the commandments, Christ said he still lacks. Jesus, now you know, well, one thing you lack, like, go and sell your possessions and come follow me. Pay attention, come follow me. Is the command of that? Now he wasn't saying Jesus wasn't saying the man had to merit his salvation, but revealing the man's heart and his self righteousness. Well, I keep the commandments. And Christ was showing, No, you don't. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. When we are saved, the greatest commandment becomes our motivation for and informs the second. Our love of neighbor should be defined by our love for God in light of his commands, not the other way around. Well, uh, hopefully you found this helpful. I'll include links of what I shared today in the show notes so you can take a look and decide for yourself, comparing it all to the scriptures, of course. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, like I said, contact me, uh, Facebook Messenger at Believing Theologist. Uh, Leave a comment in the YouTube channel. Or you can uh, reach me on Twitter at Believing Theologo. One last verse I want to leave you with. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith, with a heart sprinkled clean from an, ev- from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. If any of you listening have any questions or comments, look at Believing Theologist on iTunes, Anchor.fm, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, Google Play, and at Believing Theologist on Twitter. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope you'll stick around for a few episodes or more. This has been an episode of the Believing Theologist podcast, proclaiming the gospel, sound doctrine, to the furthest reaches of the great state of Michigan. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.
0: Yes.